Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. That means you're listening to Mystery of Parenthood. Um, excited about the show today, but let's begin with our prayer, as we always do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's May, baby. It's May. And oh, Thaddeus, Thaddeus has got the energy, baby. So welcome aboard. Um, hey, you know, it is... Morning, Trey. This is a special live edition, folks. Special wow. live edition of Mystery of Parenthood. Love to hear from you. Call in yeah. 85 love red C or Good email morning. us at questions at redcradio.org and we will... Put you on the air or read your question on the air. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, um, I think that this will be a topic that is important. It's, a, it's really at the center of what, we, of what we do. I was looking back. I actually pulled out this old binder that you can see over here that was started back in like 2004. It's pretty dingy. It's pretty dingy. But, no, I'm just kidding. But Stephanie's got it in order here. But, but we, were, we were starting with the end in mind. Um, years ago and we're like well you know what's the goal of parenthood and and that coupled with i just kind of have been picking up and among other books have started reading the matthew kelly's the biggest lie in the history of christianity um and this lie which he he says that the the the, the lie is that holiness is not possible that's right is the biggest lie in Christianity. And I started thinking about the fact that that is exactly what we're, we're called to. Um, and we're called to try to lead our kids to, um, that holiness we're called to be great saints. And I think what happens is, I think that sounds like, you know, either pie in the sky or fluffy language because of a couple of reasons. One, I do believe that there is a lie out there that kind of pervade is pervasive in, not just secular society, but even in the church that, that holiness <laughs> is not possible for us. Um, so first off, I, you know, I want to say, yes, it is. Not only is it possible, it's actually our ultimate call for each one of us. But also I think that part of the reason is, is that there's a certain way people, you know, view holiness and so hopefully we can get down to what holiness actually means what it looks like and how we can have it drawn out of ourselves or you know have it become part of who we are but then also how we can at least create a culture inside our families for our kids to be able to uh, embrace that high calling that 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 calling to be great saints so any thoughts on that sound like a Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely vital that we pursue holiness in our in our everyday lives. I mean, um, Second Vatican Council 
in, I think, Lumen Gentium. I believe so. Stated that the universal vocation of, so that is what every single human being is called to is to holiness. Right. Universal call to holiness is the shorthand for it. Right. And so, and so I think it's really important that we understand what, what holiness means um, and, and what it doesn't necessarily mean. (laughs) Um, First off, we can we have a definition, but my simple definition is is there is only one who is holy. There, there's only one source of all holiness. It's not something that we generate ourselves. It's not something that we do. We only become holy when we become united with the source of all holiness, God Himself. Um. So, the simple definition of holiness is union with God, and that happens every day that we go to mass every day that we pray every day that we do anything where we unite and every day we make a morning offering are are times when we're uniting our day with that he's got the catechism so i think that would be probably better than do you want me to go with the catechism right now? As opposed to the catechism. Because I like the flow you had going there. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Or as opposed to the catechism. <laughs> <laughs> the catechism. I like that. as a new but, piece of lingo here yeah, on the Ministry of Parenthood. But, but, um, but I, think, I think it's good to start with, with a definition because I do think that ultimately where people fall off is they have some preconceived idea of what holiness is. You know, it's the halo. It's the, the, the um, holy cards. And I could never be like that, you know. And the reality is, is you're not called to be like that. But go ahead and read read it. We're talking about All right, this. so uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is going to be 2012, numbers 2012 through 2015. I'll just pick a little few highlights. Um, 2013, all Christians in any state or walk of life are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfect and to the perfection of charity. That is love, self-sacrificial, giving of oneself for the other person. All are called to holiness. It quotes Matthew five forty-eight: "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." And I was correct, uh, Trey. That is Lumen Gentium. That Good. universal perfect. call for holiness is in. Cha-ching, I had no, ding. I had no doubt. One for one for <laughs> one for Doctor T. Uh, 2014, number 2014, spiritual progress tends toward ever more intimate union with Christ. This union is called mystical because it participates in the mystery of Christ through the sacraments, as you were saying, the sacraments. And the sacramentals are just sort of um, fallout of of the sacraments. Um, God calls us all to this intimate union with him. Even if the special graces or extraordinary signs of this mystical life are granted only to some for the sake of manifesting the gratuitous gift given to all, the way of perfection passes by way of the cross. There is no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. So we're all called to holiness. We're all called to ever more intimate union. We achieve that through prayer and the sacraments. And we have to be willing to undergo suffering, mortification, self-denial. And so with regard to, I mean, with regard to... (laughs) Being a Christian doesn't sound like it's very much fun. Well, you know, I think that that that's part of the reason that people do not think... That's part of Matthew Kelly's point, right? Yeah, I think part of the reason is, is that people hear that and they think all bad. (laughs) It's, it's, there's certainly... Um, suffering uh, that goes along with it. But I think it's important to remember that, and in crosses, that living a family life is going to provide you with all that you need to, to, to do that. First off, if, if, if you're in a sacramental marriage, that there is grace there for you, husband and wife, um, to elevate our nature, to call us to always to allow us to overcome the selfishness. But hey, the situation itself, I mean, draws out self-sacrifice, draws out mortifications, draw out draws out, you know, when when, you know, I don't watch um 
as much sports as I used to. <laughs> and, you know, initially when I wasn't able to watch a football game or something, the, you know, that was a major cross for me. Now, you know, of course, you know, God gave me TiVo. But, but, and Gamecast on your phone. And Gamecast on my phone and all that kind of stuff. But but the bottom line is, is that that it has become easier for me to let go of things that I was attached to because of the draw. I was talking to my daughter the other day with regard to like what she was called to do and, 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 um, and she was having concerns that she wasn't going to be doing the God's will if she didn't go this one direction. And, but she didn't have peace with going that direction. And I think that's where people make a mistake in discernment. Um, I told her, look, I felt like I was called to be a, a, I was called to be a, um, a football coach and I did everything and I loved being a football coach, even as much as I had, um, had to work 103 hours a a, a week for, for little, uh, money. And it was, it was great for me. And I, I told her that, you know, I had to give that up. And that was something that really was hard to give up. Yet, I knew that what I was giving it up for was something greater. I was drawn to something else. So, no, it didn't mean that the cross of having to let go of that, to, to, to let go of something that I loved, was difficult. It wasn't difficult. It was but but I was being called towards something that was saying I I need to do this better I need to I need to be a dad I need to be a provider I need to be a husband, um and the best way to do that is to let go of this thing I was so attached to, and I told her look you know when God calls you He's going to call you to let go of something and yeah it will be hard but He's going to call you to let go of it by calling you towards something you're drawn to. Um, maybe not certain about, maybe, maybe you're, but, but it's going to be something you feel drawn to that draws you away from that. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, it's, it's anything you think about it, you know, you're, you're called towards marriage to your spouse. And that means necessarily that you're giving up the possibility of relationships with other people, (laughs) but you're being called towards something greater and yes, there may be crosses associated with or things that you have to give up, but in going that direction, it, it's not hard. And God's grace does that, does give us that. So um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think that we have to start with um, the fact that you're being called to greater joy by letting go of something. And that it, the longer you hold on to something that's getting in the way of going the route that you're called, the more miserable you'll actually become. Thinking that you're avoiding misery by holding on to it, you actually are creating more misery because God's calling you higher um, and away from that towards something greater. So is this what you're saying that – do you feel like something that uh – you and Stephanie did from the kind of beginning of your parenting was keeping this idea of the universal call to holiness in so many words right in and the so, forefront of your mind or is that something that that you grew no, into I, well no because i mean like the first the first class i ever took at in my master's program prior to us doing any of this was was um the documents of vatican 2 oh. and the first one the first thing we read was lumen gentium and the first thing that struck me was this this universal call to holiness i had i had a conversion in my life and and the way i was i don't i'm not even sure it's the way i was raised but certainly the way that i thought i had this great conversion towards you know an encounter with christ you know a, a desire to do his will and i remember thinking i maybe have said this before well, I miss my calling. You know, I should have been a priest because priests are the ones that have this. I'm just a dad and a husband. And so it resonated with me when I heard that, when I read that, that, okay, well, maybe that it isn't. Maybe it isn't something that that is only reserved for, 
you know, priests and nuns. It's for us. And then I read that and I was like, oh, there it is. We're right, all, right. we're all called to this holiness, this union with God. So what it is, 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 you know, morning offerings. It's, it's go, frequenting the sacraments, you know, making sure you're going to confession regularly, you know, at least several times a year, um, maybe once a month. I mean, I have a child that goes once a week. I mean, we can't all do that. Um, but, but have that in there, make sure that we're obviously going to mass every Sunday. That's our, that's our obligation, but hopefully trying to fit in a, a mass during the week when you can. And obviously the more busy you are, um, the harder that is yet I would encourage, and we've talked about this, Stephanie's going to have the best way to train young children on how to handle a Sunday mass is to bring them to a shorter <laughs> Uh, mass, you know, a 30 minute mass and, and have them practice there. Um, so there's multiple layers of how you can be in union with Christ in fulfilling your vocation. I mean, taking them to mass, making sure they're getting there, praying together, recognizing that, 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 you know, we talk about crosses, but sometimes crosses are, you know, Doing the laundry sometimes. I mean, in other words, we have to we have to redefine what does a cross and a mortification mean. When I'm doing what I'm called to do in that moment, there's great value there. It's not wasted time. It's not something getting in the way of something that you ought to be doing better. It's something that's in in the moment is something that you can that God will take if you unite it with Christ and what He accomplished on the cross and on that patent at mass that he can take and take something as mundane as benign looking as laundry or making a bed or doing the dishes or mowing the yard or whatever, pulling weeds, doing your homework. I mean, this is the, the mentality that we as Catholics have got to go that, that all these things that we're called to do by our vocation, by where we are. So for the kids, they got to see I'm a student. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. If that's, if that's it. So when I'm doing something that doesn't feel good, well, look to the cross, unite that with Christ, ask for the graces to be able to do it well for him and recognize that those are typically the crosses that God sends our way. There may be those great crosses that come. Maybe all of us will have some great cross, a death in the family, cancer, a heart attack, whatever. But more often than not, the crosses that we're called to bear are the simple things. I can't finish watching this because I need to help a child with homework. Or you know, I, 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 a child saying I can't go hang out with my friends because I've got work to do that's due tomorrow. I mean, those all have got to be put in the framework of – these are the mortifications that God gives us. Fortunately, they're not often nails in the in the ESPN, but they're they're not nails. Oh, in the, the irony! <laughs> they're not nails in the hand, you know, or in the feet, or a, a, a lance through the side. More often than not, it's just embracing, you know, a little thing. And I struggle with it, you know, Stephanie. I'll just call myself out on this. I, I think I did handle it. I asked for the grace to handle it. But this past weekend was was prom, and there was the after party, after prom bash, which has done a great deal for the high school students. But they basically go from the prom, arrive at 1230 at night, and they stay till 430 in the morning. Well, there have got to be parents there. Well, I mean, I was griping and moaning up until, and Steph's like, well, if you're going to be like that, then just go home, you know? And, but she said, but you know, you know, you are talking about how dads need to step up and be more. And so she, you know, but don't worry about it. If you want to go home then just go home, (laughs) which, you know, is great. But I, when I went, I said, okay, Lord, I mean, it's true. I'm exhausted. I don't think I've got the energy to do it, but if I'm going to do it, I need to be here present and, and enjoy it and be somebody that, that, that shows that, and God provided the grace. It happened really quickly. I was awake. Now, when I got home, I hit a wall. <laughs> but, but, um, but that's a little mortification. That again, there's a case where a spouse is helping somebody get a correct vision for what this is meant to be. 
you know, not, oh, dad, I'm not going to get any sleep. I'm not going to, I mean, she refocused me. So I think as parents and as spouses, if this is the, if we have already built kind of a culture of, hey, you know, those little mortifications that occur, those little opportunities to sacrifice for the sake of the other are are coming and that's already there, then sometimes part of parenting, part of being the spouse is, hey, just to point out to them, <laughs> Remember what we talk about? I mean, because, you know, it happens in the moment, right? You know, it's really easy to talk intellectually about this, but embracing the cross when the cross is standing right there in front of you is another animal. And sometimes you need encouragement, you need challenge, you need something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. um, so I, I just want, you have to, I think, create and talk about this in non-confrontational moments, in non-crucifixion moments, in non in moments of non-suffering, that you can recall it, because usually the best time to, if you haven't done that, and the first time you do it is, hey, offer it up. My mom, you know, that happened any time I griped about anything throughout high school. Didn't fully understand what she meant, but it, there is a very Christian way of of doing. I'm uniting my sufferings and offering my sufferings together with the perfect sufferings of Christ on the cross offered in every mass, that sacrifice, and that he makes my offering acceptable. He makes it something that can be used for the salvation of souls, for the good of others, even though we can't fully understand it. But that's why, you know, in Colossians one twenty four, Paul says, I rejoice now in my sufferings, for I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Every Christian should know that. He's saying there's something that we have to offer together with Christ. The only thing lacking is our willing accepting of our crosses, and then that recognizing that in and of themselves they probably are worthless, but we're going to do it. So what do we do as parents? There should be a morning offering driving to school. There should be something, Lord, I give you this day, all that I think, do and say, uniting it with what you accomplished, what you, what was done on earth by Jesus Christ, your son, you know, something, something along those lines, look one up, but it should be a daily thing that leads us to that's the call to holiness. It happens in the day to day. It's not that, you know, I'm not going to walk on water probably. I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to raise a dead person, probably. Um, the, the, that's not holiness. Holiness right now for me and for most of the people sitting out there, and for you, Thaddeus, is being a dad, you know, being a husband. And the and what are the what are the crosses? The crosses are I've got to you know Steph's got something to do. I need to cook dinner tonight, or I need to yeah. do whatever. Those are the crosses, and and teaching that to our kids is fundamental to getting past this lie that holiness is not possible because all holiness is, is saying what I have to do today by my duties and obligations that I have, what I have to do today, I unite with Jesus and his perfect offering and ask for the grace to do it well and in a way that makes him present to others. That's holiness. Yeah. I think, um, also, Recalling the words that Christ gave us as the perfect prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, conforming ourselves to doing the Father's will, because that's what the Son did. That's what Jesus did. He did the Father's will perfectly. And accepting an attitude or adopting an attitude of life of I'm daily, hourly, by the minute, trying to conform my life to the the will of the Father. And the way that I discern the will of the Father is through prayer, is through the sacraments, through spiritual reading, through uh, sacrificing pleasures by by doing things that are are difficult. Um, Question for you. One of your seven secrets of purposeful parenting is keep the main thing, the main thing. Absolutely. Would you say that this is the, 
main thing of the main thing. Because I right, think so yeah. one way you've characterized it before is is wanting to have the heart of the child. Right. So sort of make the connection between our Excellent. children are called to holiness. We want the heart of the child. Keep the main thing. How, how do yeah, all, all those fit together? Well, so, so if you look at the heart, the heart is, is really seen by the church as really the... The seat of the person, the, the, yeah, the the entirety of the person. I mean, it's it's everything. When you when you give, that's when. So Jesus gives us His Sacred Heart. Well, what is what is holiness? But union of the entire person with the other. So what we want as parents in a perfect moment. I mean, these are moments that we strive for. As parents, our will is perfectly in line with God's will, and that that may mean. I've got things that I'd like to do, but we need we have this issue at our house that needs to be addressed. I mean, it's not it's not like you know, lightning bite throw God speaks down from on high. It it is occurring in the what is the next best thing that we need to do? We need to clean up the house because we have people coming over tonight. That's the will of us, but I but see it is the will of God too. <laughs> I mean, we, we sometimes think that the will of God is always way above, but when you think about the fact that Jesus Christ came, and what did he do? He lived a very ordinary life of manual labor. So unimpressive that when he comes home and, he, and, and they're saying he's the, he's the Messiah, they're like, you got to be kidding me. He's the carpenter's son. So ordinary was his life. There was nothing about him that said, yeah, that guy's going to go up and be something someday. Yeah, some yeah, people I, wonder why we don't know anything about his, you know, the secret years of his life. And probably some of it is that it was so ordinary that there was no, that the, the gospel writers, their their choice as writers was, there's nothing for me to say here because my audience knows exactly what this life was right and it's in the revelation you know the, the the church says that every instant of his incarnation from conception to death resurrection and ascension to where he is now every ounce of that is to teach us something about what it means to be human he's the perfect human so i always say okay he's 33 when he dies he has a three-year ministry Ten elevenths of his life is either suffering, running from from people who are trying to kill him, or just at home doing what you and I are doing every day. That's part of the gospel. That that's that's part of the good news that the that the ordinary stuff is exactly where God wants to meet us most of the time. Play your position. Right. And, but we should be excited about that. I mean, that that's, he played it. I mean, he's God and he's working as a carpenter in an ordinary house among ordinary people doing ordinary things. He did that to reveal something to us about that. I, I always say the sacraments point us to that too, because he uses ordinary priests with, with, you know, all of their personalities and everything like that to speak through perfectly his forgiveness through imperfect vehicles. He uses crackers, what it looks like. I mean, unleavened bread that doesn't even taste well, just ordinary stuff to make himself present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. News alert. Trey said it doesn't taste good. He just said that. Well, I don't know if it didn't taste good. It's just, I mean, no taste. like if you're, ta- if you're, if you're, you know, I was always saying like, you know, if, you know, if you had a little sugar to it, you know, I mean, you know, it would, it would be more palatable or whatever, right. but it right. wouldn't be what it is. So I'm, right. what I, my point is, is that That's I right. think he chose the sacraments and those sacraments by the matter that he makes water ordinary. I mean, you know, it, you could, he could have said, you know, you need to baptize with the, you know, $300 bottle of wine. You know, I mean, it could have been any sort of thing that he chose, but he chose something that is readily available, ordinary to do that. I think there's, you know, the way he lived, the sacraments and the, and the matter which he gives to us. He uses us, husband and wife, very ordin, ordinary, fallen people 
to make himself present in and through the family, right? I mean, I think everything points us to the fact that we're always looking way up high when in fact what God wants to do is in the ordinary stuff right in front of us. The the very next thing that we're supposed to do, dinner, cleaning the dishes, changing a diaper, that's where he wants us to be. Be present in that moment, recognizing that he is there in that moment. And so fulfilling holiness is this. One of these quotes, I, I, we talked about it the other day with, um, with Monica Ashauer, because it's one of my favorites. But, but listen, I, I didn't li- read the end of it. Um, this is John Paul II in Theology of the Body. He said, the body, in fact, and it alone is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and, di- and the divine. It, the body, was created to transfer into the visible reality of the world the mystery hidden since time immemorial, immemorial in God, and thus to be a sign of it. It is holiness to live this out. Holiness happens concretely in the moment in front of us when consciously when consciously we say, I'm uniting what I'm about to do with what Christ did. And yes, it's very small. It's a changing of a diaper. It's a washing of dishes. It's mowing the yard. It's sweeping the den. It's turning off the TV to focus on your, fa- on your family. It's, those are the things. But concretely... Those are the things that you're called to, and that's visibly, tangibly making God and his sacrifice for you and I present to others. I care enough for you, honey, to wash the dishes so you don't have to do it. I care enough for you, dad, to sweep the floors because I know either you or mom would have to do it. I mean, those are the things that we as Christians have to begin to say. This holiness thing makes the mundane magnificent. It makes the mundane something that is so much valuable as long as it's united with Christ, as long as it's done in holiness, in union with Christ and offered to him. That's as simple as it gets. But then life is not boring. It's only boring when we think we're just going through these things. I was, you know, my kids, I said, don't ever tell me you're bored because you don't understand what is going on in your life. Because everything that you're being called to do, that homework that you have to do, that presentation you have to get done for school, that practice you have to go to, whatever it is, all of that has potential value. And all you have to do is say, I give it to you, whatever it is, I give it to you. That's the, what we have to, as parents is so, you know, kind of bring our heads out of the sky, bringing, (laughs) the sky to bear in the day-to-day every day. That should be exciting. You know, 70, you know, it's Mount Neverrest. You know, she used to always say when busy people said, how, how do you do it with six kids under, you know, six at one point or six kids under eight or whatever? You know, she said, I get up, start praying, and I never say amen. That was her way of saying everything that I do throughout the day is meant to be a prayer. Everything that I do today is something that is of value to God as long as I'm willing to offer it as a sacrifice in union with Jesus' perfect sacrifice. For those that may think this isn't biblical, just go to Romans 12, 2. What does Romans 12, 2 say? I mean, Romans 12, 2 is offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual worship. There's this connection that makes being human the fact that we are a composite, a, an integration of spirit and matter. We are meant to make 
the invisible God visible through our actions, through our words. That should be exciting. <laughs> so along these lines, Matthew Kelly in this this book, The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity, he makes a lot of this concept of holy moments. Right. Holy moments. And very much along the lines of what you're saying, holiness is a holy moment is not what you might think it is right. on first glance. It's not exclusively being in the chapel in contemplative prayer or right. even saying verbal prayer, you right. know, reciting a, a Holy Mary or Hail Mary. It could be that he says a holy moment is a moment when you open yourself to God, you make yourself available to him. You set aside what you feel like doing in that moment and you set aside self-interest. And for one moment, you simply do what you prayerfully believe God is calling you to do in that moment. That is a holy moment. And so I want to just go back to that again. He says, you set aside what you feel like doing in that moment. You set aside self-interest. And so that's kind of the insurance policy against the distortion of doing what you prayerfully believe God is calling you to do in that moment, because it's it's not doing what you feel like doing. Right. It's not doing something that's going to be of, you know, benefit or or interest or pleasure or honor to you. Right. Um there I need to find I need to find the help difference. us help us with some ways that we can create holy moments in the family. Well, I think I think that I mean I think part of the part of it is is just framing be teaching your children that that these moments, you know, my mom used to always say offered up. I, w- I wish she had explained it more. Yeah, because usually you I know. used to hear that too, and usually it has that kind of well, all the ba- sneer to it, that snide yeah, yeah. kind of offer it up. Right, you know. And the, it's a and chastisement. The, yeah, it's, and, and and it just, I, now I know what she meant, and it yeah. is great value, but I think I think we owe it to our kids to 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 have them recognize that most of life, the vast majority, even in Jesus's life, 10 elevenths of his life is ordinary to suffering. I mean, there's only like the, there's only one eleventh that's glory, you know? Right. And even that ends with suffering and a cross. But I, I think that we need to begin to say that these are, these are all Everything that we do, you got to clean up the room, you know, so, so make it, it's, yeah, it's a chore you have to do, but we as parents should take time. It's kind of being purposeful in your parenting in terms of making holy moments. You have to build into the culture, this idea of, um, this idea of we have opportunities every day in the extraordinarily ordinary (laughs) moments of the day. Meaning stuff that just looks like it's nothing to make it into something by doing that. So I think, you know, holy, having a morning offering, praying regularly, and then having even 10 minutes of discussion on, hey, what's something? So like we did, and I wouldn't do this. We did ask for permission years ago when we did it, but, but we did get permission and we made little slips. And so the kids could write down, um, this is to communicate how to do it, would write down things that they did or gave up or, and they, and then they would go to mass and they would put those things, do not do this without a priest's permission. (laughs) Okay. But we would, we asked and they allowed us to make these little offerings. And, And when the basket was passed, the kids would put, what they said into the into the offering basket, so that they get a sense of what's going on at that. I'm I'm offering that. That's being brought up, and then what happens at the mass? Those are brought to the table, and then it's transubstantiated, changed into that. So 
there's this making a visible connection between the stuff that we do day to day, the mass and what the mass makes present. God himself, heaven is brought down to earth. The cross is made there. So it, it makes sense of, to a certain extent, it makes sense of the little sufferings that we have. That's how I think you create holy moments is by linking those things and go beyond just saying what my mother used to say, which is offer it up and say, this is how you offer it up. You remember that you say, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. You make it a prayer and then you bring it with you to mass. And when that offering plate, and we as parents can do that, maybe not putting it in money is important. That check, you know, that, 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 but, but that check represents the entirety of who we are. We should be placing our, our entire selves into that basket. Does that even help? Does that- yeah, it does. And I, th- um, I wanted, I wanted to offer something that, that we do in our family. Um, cleaning up after oneself is a real big cross in our family. Yes, of course. I think it's everybody's cross. Um, but what, Two kind of approaches we try to take with it is, one, we try to get um, the siblings to, you know, to do it together. One, it many hands makes light work, but they're also, even if, especially it's this idea of even if a couple of the ones who are helping didn't even have anything to do with the picking, with the making of the mess. Right. And then we also try to follow that up with getting still getting down there and doing some of it with them. And so that's both instances of put a fancy Catholic teaching, social teaching term on it, solidarity. We're in solidarity with our children in this cross that they have to carry of, of picking up after themselves. And, you know, and that's basically translates into big big ways of taking responsibility for what you what you do accepting the consequences of what you do right that that's all tied up in there with picking up after yourself right and then the siblings the brothers and sisters you know being in the struggle um being in the difficulty of their of their siblings and and kind of living that with them and and experiencing it and doing what they can to um, make it easier or, or make it, make it better to, to share some of that suffering. And that I think in a small way is tied to what you quoted from St. Paul about, you know, offering our sufferings to Christ on the cross and, and putting our, what we go through, giving it meaning and participating in the suffering and the salvific work that was done by Christ on the cross. So we, I think we, we've seen some, some wonderful, um, holy moments. Yeah. By going through that process. And we've seen, um, surprising acts of self giving of self Get, denial right and and I think that's because you you've you've exa- made been an example of that you've talked to them through it you've you've shown them opportunities and when they miss those opportunities not in a like point the finger mm-hmm. and usually kind of in passing you like playing catch or something I mean something that's not so it doesn't feel like it's just a passing moment hey you know you remember that time you know if you if if you had done this this way, I mean, you know how much that would have meant. I mean, that's the kind of coaching you give. That's that's kind of like back. It's kind of sly, a little sly. You're sneaking it in there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make it too like front and center, there's going to be a pushing back. So just you know, file it away and say, okay, I'm going to make a comment to him, and then wait for a moment that is totally out there and kind of just in passing make that comment. You and then. Be, don't be surprised to see what that turns into because right. they will, you know, you do a few of those, you plant a few of those, you pitch a few of those pennies into that, into that container, it, it'll bear fruit. 
um, eventually. And I think that that ties into y'all's um, concept of purposeful parenting about reading and writing mysteries, right? Well, yeah, because what you have to 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 read and write, you have to watch. So part of the reading is just understanding that all of our kids and ourselves are called to be saints. One of the most important things to tell your kids about being a saint is this. God's not asking you to be anybody other than who you are. And when you are holy, you will be most yourself. When you are in union with him, in line with his will, you will be the best version of who you are or, or who you're capable of being. Or you who you not, were created to be. And you will be more like unique and unrepeatable because you won't be like anybody else. That's what great saints do. Great saints in their body, in their words and what they've done, have become so unique that they stand out. <laughs> but they share in the same holiness that every other saint shares in. But there's a difference between Maximilian Colby and... Therese of Lisieux. There's a there's a difference in them in terms of what they did, what their role was, how they were, how they glorified God. Yet they share in the exact same holiness. And so we have to. I think it's imperative that we say, being holy is not becoming somebody else. It's becoming you. And so, the more holy you become, the more you become. You, and I think that that is important to to tell. The more unique, the more unrepeatable you will become um, by allowing that to happen. Um, hey, I've got, I don't. I'm gonna. How much time do we have? Seven. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna read. So I've been reading this this book, and it's fantastic. It's called The Sacrament of the Present Moment, and I'm gonna read this little section here. Hopefully, it's not too long, but but. Of course, sanctity is another word for holiness. Um, but I'm going to read a little bit here and see if this doesn't resonate. It's a, this is um, from the sacrament of the present moment. The passive part of sanctity is still more easy since it only consists consists in accepting that which we very often have no power to prevent and in suffering lovingly, that is to say this with sweetness and consolation, those things that too often cause weariness and disgust. And once more, I repeat, in this consists sanctity. This is the grain, this is the grain of mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds, the fruits of which can neither be recognized nor gathered. It is the drachma of the gospel, the treasure that none discover because they suppose it to be too far away to be sought. Do not ask me how this treasure can be found. It is no secret. The treasure is everywhere. It is offered to us at all times and wherever we may be. All creatures, both friends and enemies, poured out with prodigality. And it flows like a fountain through every faculty of body and soul, even to the very center of our hearts. If we open our mouths, they will be filled. The divine activity permeates the whole universe. It pervades every creature. Wherever they are, it is there. It goes before them, with them, and it follows them. All they have to do is let the waves bear them on. It's a beautiful image. What he's saying is, is we miss God at work in our lives all the time. We, we, we miss yeah. the moment. It's, he's saying it's everywhere. It's in every person that we meet. He is working. It's in the circumstances that come our way that's working. The crosses that come are the ones that we can't get out of, you know, whatever that may be. I've, 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 you know, I'll say, you know, member of the PTO, and there's a PTO meeting. I've committed to that. I need to go to that meeting. I, it, it's in the way of something else, but I've committed to it. All of those things are moments that are offered to us as holy moments. I don't know if that helped clarify, but I, that, 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 that we have to have the eyes of faith to recognize that God is always at work. Um, anyway, I don't know if that, if that helped for me, that was very helpful to be looking 
Yeah. So, so before we go on to a memory verse and close out the show, um, sum up everything we've we've talked about today. Give us a, a final. So we're all called, we're all called to be great saints. We need to make sure that we understand and teach our children what it means to be a great saint. A great saint is somebody who does what they're supposed to do with love and kindness, even the smallest things. So don't make it into more than than is necessary. You know, frequent the sacraments, pray, offer up offer up your suffering and mortifications. Recognize in those small things that those are the crosses that God allows us to have. The making of a bed, the picking up of, of dirty clothes, the whatever. Those are those are those are the crosses that we typically are sent. And so don't let your kids get away with just saying offer it up, you know, teach them that every moment of every day, there he is asking you to embrace that moment now and offer it to him. And And like Matthew Kelly says, make yourself available to God, set aside what you feel like doing in that moment, set aside your self-interest and do what prayerfully believe God is calling you to do in that moment. Yes. Exercise that holy moment. Go to the, go to the after prom bash, even though you're tired. (laughs) Right. Right. And enjoy it. So anyway, I don't know how much time we've got, but here's the memory verse. We're going to do, we're going to do first Thessalonians four, uh, three and following for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body and holiness and honor not in the passion of lust like heathens who do not know God, that no man transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. First Thessalonians 4, uh, 3 and following. Remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless. From the cross to the grave into heaven From the cross to